0: We'll mm-hmm. to Champ's Lunch, a showdown podcast from the hosts of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. We are here for a little late-night edition of Champ's Lunch. Uh, The uh, live event just ended, the showdown Throwdown, uh, a a double feature with with Final Exam taking on Deep 13 in uh, a team's match, and, and then... Of course, the number one contender singles match between John Roca and Ethan Irwin. We're going to be talking about both of those matches uh, and wrapping up the, the end of the Inner Geekdom tournament as well. But uh, before we get to that, Scott, how's it going?
1: It's going well. I mean, look, we were feels like we were really building up to it, and all week, definitely. Even even with the Inner Geekdom finals on Thursday, it really felt like we were building up to the return of you know, non-geek-focused trivia. I know you were really excited about it in particular, but I was as well, and I don't think either of these matches disappointed in the slightest. I mean, if you're going to have a way to, to kickstart the, the singles and teams divisions again, this was a great way to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I definitely definitely was looking forward to it. Uh, you know, the inner geekdom stuff is, I like all of the personalities and everything in there, and the competition levels are obviously very high, but, um, you know, the questions started to, to wear on me a little bit. So it was good to get a nice change of pace. And we'll certainly be getting a lot of that change of pace here in the coming weeks. But Scott, why don't we just get, in, get into it now um, and and start with that undercard match, um, which was, you know, a, f- a fantastic match on paper and, and the way that it ended up playing out. You had final exam uh, and D13, to one 1-0 teams, final exam being Paul Yama and Lon Harris. And uh, Deep 13 being Alonzo Duralde and Whitney Seibold. Um, and this was this was a fantastic match. Uh, you know, a two-point game after round one. Um, and then perfect rounds from both teams in round two. Uh, Deep 13 did have to go to a multiple-choice They got festival darlings again, which they're they're proving. Look, they probably put that on the wheel um, after their last match. And uh, they ran through it again very convincingly in this match as well. Uh, But then, you know, final exam to their credit came right back um, and had a perfect round after getting Spinner's Choice, albeit, and picking Adam Sandler, obviously something that they've been studying very heavily. But, um, you know, two two very high scoring rounds there. you know, from, from these two teams, as you would expect. Um, and then round three is where things really got interesting, right? Because uh, Whitney Seibold missing a two point question uh, about the Grand Budapest Hotel, basically because he misheard the question. Um, well, he, he misheard Ray the Liotta. question,
1: the question, uh, the, like the category, which uh, apparently he heard 2010s as Ray Liotta movies, which.
0: No, I, th- I think maybe he heard. That like Ray Liotta instead of Ray Fiennes. That's what. Oh I was yeah, that, that that would that
1: make really more mean. sense. Um, yeah, that would make more sense.
0: Yeah, so I, I think that's what he misheard, and, and so because it was an easy question that he, he would absolutely <laughs> expect him to know, but uh, yeah. you know, at the time because they were behind, it looked like it wasn't necessarily going to matter that he yeah. missed the two pointer. Um, but he did end up missing the two. Uh, it did end up mattering because, and that's because Paul Oyama ends up missing the three pointer. Um, and that put uh final exam in a position where they had to hit their five in order to win by one uh and they were able to do that um hitting a a judd apatow question there with knocked up paul with a nice job of really thinking through it asking for a repeat um because they their initial thought was different from what they ended up going with they initially thought this is 40 and then they they switched to think about uh to go with knocked up which was the right answer but right they win by one that two point miss by seibold that, you know, nine, 99 times out of 100, he's probably going to get it right if he hears the question. Um, if he
1: asked for a repeat. You know, they didn't use any of their repeats, I don't think. Right,
0: yeah. And, and we've seen this before from Seibold, right? Like in his singles match, uh, his last singles match that he played, he really just like torpedoed himself with with bad strategy, stuff like that, like not asking for a repeat, answering without going to multiple choice um, when he wasn't really sure. Um, and it seems like that that's still haunting him a little bit because... Um, he, he didn't ask for a repeat here. Um, and I think if he had, then he would have heard the question, right? He would have most likely gotten it right. And then that could have been the match, but Hey, these kinds of things happen in, in the showdown that's all part of the game. And, you know, as everyone always says, it, it's not just about the knowledge. Um, there's so many other elements that go into it. And it's not like final exam weren't worthy we're winners? Uh, they, they absolutely played a fantastic match. I think it was a 34 33 final, um, I think, it, I think it was thirty-three, thirty-two were, final. Yeah,
1: 30, 30 Yeah, it was thirty-three,
0: yeah. but um, fantastic match. Um, and now final exam will be moving on to face the pride uh, in a number one contender team match. Teams match. Scott, your thoughts on this undercard match? Final exams win, and what's to come next for them?
1: Yeah, it was a great match, right? Like I, I was a little, it, you know, it kind of lived up to the hype in terms of what we, what we saw in, in their first team matches, respectively really carrying over into the second. I mean, we saw strong round one play in that match. Technically, I guess they each performed a little bit under par for what they did on that first match. Cause I think in the case of final exam, I think they actually got the perfect night or 18 points in their first match. Um, But still really strong uh, first round play from both teams here. You know, three of the four competitors getting seven points is, is really impressive. Um, I mean, I know there's, this conversation has been on the shelf for like months now, but I know people were saying that round one questions are easier this year. Well, regardless, these guys are knocking most of them down um, pretty easily here and, and showing that uh, it's not just a matter of round one, because although maybe it was both of their strengths, they also followed through in round two as well. Uh, And then, yeah, so maybe some bizarre misses or at least bizarre miss in round three that, you know, even, even if it had been, you know, even if he'd heard the question correctly and it was, what Ray Liotta movie in 2014 or whatever he thought he had heard, you know, most normal people are going to take a repeat on that to give themselves some more time. So just thinking carefully through that, I think might have given them the win. I don't know. I think that Paul might've tried a little bit harder on that three point as well. I mean, I don't think he really put much energy or effort into it whatsoever. I'm not saying he would have known it if he needed to, but I think that it's kind of hard to, to judge it. And uh, overall it was, it was a tense match. I know, know, Um, I was rooting for for final exam because I just love the character work that both of them are are doing. And I think that the personalities and character work going into that undercard match next week, which you're alluding to there with the pride and and now final exam, I think is going to be, you know, a real (laughs) a real test of, you know, these strange, you know, the face turn that Paul Yama has done against the sort of like, I don't know, kind of heels of the pride uh, someone someone can throw in the wear heels meme or gif or whatever they want to in the chat. But uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I think this was – I mean this is definitely the outcome that I wanted. And I think it certainly lived up to the hype going down to uh, the five-point question. And, and one of the nice things about getting in uh, the, this digital version of the teams because we haven't talked about that yet. But like I think this worked really well. And in some ways for the yeah. fans, it might even be even better because you get to hear – you know the so the teamwork that is happening in round 2 i think that's especially true on the 5 point question which you're noting here and i and I, as a fan of the shmona and as a fan of strategy and things like that i love getting a little bit more you know inside baseball onto you know what Absolutely. actual conversation is happening on the screen and it's one of the reasons why i like the digital form also just seeing what managers say to their competitors and and i really appreciated that aspect of it that i wasn't necessarily thinking that thinking about going into the match but something that i, I really enjoyed about the about this version of the of the team's match
0: yeah, uh, and Peggy had a very reasonable take there. I think that uh, the undercard outshined the main event. Yeah, they were both absolutely fantastic. And you know, looking at the the ticket for this event, you know, I, I think that was would have been my thought going into it is, hey, this e- either match could be uh, you know an absolute uh, banger, yeah. and, and it turned out so. It turns out that both of them uh, were. Yeah, both both coming down to the end uh, in different ways. You know, maybe a little bit at, more at stake in that. Uh, Irwin and roca match but still a lot to play for and um you know that was on display in both matches both uh you know all, all of the competitors really going all out but scott circling back i think that um yeah the early in the season there was a lot of talk about round one questions being easier i think that they finally started to get a little bit of a a better balance with that um because obviously you know you're still seeing Pretty high scores, but also we saw some of the best players in the Schmodown tonight, yep. and I think yep. that they're throwing in at least you know one or two kind of curveballs. I mean, I think the in the R- Roca Irwin match, which we'll get to in a second, the Boris Karloff question that Roca ended up missing—that's like a. I mean, maybe it is a one-point question because it's a fam- you know somewhat famous Universal monster movie, but that makes me think of like the old you know old era of the Schmodown, like that uh in terms of like the the difficulty balance in round one i think back in the day especially they they really had that mastered and you know there's all the talk about well you know do we need to make them easier so that people watching will know the answers and you know we'll feel more included and all of that Uh, but i think that uh maybe they're they're starting to realize they need to have a little bit more of a competitive balance in round one and i think we saw that in both matches right there weren't any perfect rounds um from, from anyone who played tonight so Um, I think that that's a positive trend in my opinion. I I mean, again, I understand why, um, why christian feels the way that he does about it but uh i think that they're starting to find the right balance there uh and and that is a good thing but um yeah, yeah i mean, no, I mean uh, christian's
1: job is also just to like defend it right like it i, I sure. if, if people were complaining the questions were too hard like christian would still be defendant that's his job and i and i mean i don't blame him at all for doing that i do think that there were valid we don't need to dive huge like deeply into this but like when i forget what the percentage was if like 30 Five percent—I can't remember what it was early in season—but like thirty-five percent of competitors or first rounds were, were, were being aced. Like you probably like that needs to be less common than that probably. And yeah. and you're right you, we didn't get that tonight, right? Even if it's just one question that's you know ups that difficulty up a little bit in each uh, in each match. So be it, right? Like I, I think that you need to you need to earn the ex the, the bonus question a little bit more than we were seeing. And, and that doesn't have anything to do with, I, I honestly think that's, that's less to do with the question, right? although I think that maybe there is some factor in that and more to do just with the quality of the competition, you know, this year over, over previous years, like people, people are, are trying harder. They're studying harder. They want it more. Um, it's more competitive. And that's going to translate to higher performing, you know, round ones, round twos, round threes across the board.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, like I like I said, uh, you know, the pride and uh, final exam is going to be coming up next week. Scott, I think we both have our, our thoughts about who's going to win that. I think final exam are going to be the heavy favorites. I think the the pride uh, we're probably watching tonight's match and, and maybe, you know, being a little worried because, uh, you know, whichever team had come out on top, obviously very high scores uh you know deep 13 yeah. could have easily again had 35 points um if if whitney pulls that or 34 points i guess if whitney pulls that um that two-pointer and you know very close to you know matching their own record or, or whatever that they said last time uh what what it, what was a record at the time yeah,
1: yeah. um time for the record yeah yeah
0: um so you know very very high scoring teams we haven't necessarily seen the pride lighted up on the scoreboard yet um but look you know there there are a lot of factors that that go into these matches they've had a lot of time to study since their last match um and you know if the wheel goes in their favor which uh it's pretty much has it's been pretty friendly to them in their in their first couple of matches yeah. um then it, it's definitely not out of the question but right now it seems like um uh, final exam are on a collision course um with either founding fathers or corruption right whoever wins that next team's title match um, i mean Sh- shazam they, right,
1: that's right they, they, play they play shazam, shazam and then shazam who's the boss to and then yeah
0: yeah yeah my bad so that will not be a number one contender match then but yeah i forgot shazam was part of that gauntlet as well so and and uh, then who's
1: the boss is the number one contender match
0: yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So, so there's still still some matches for them to win, but they are they are looking like a big threat right now. And you know, from from Winston's perspective, a lot of points still out there uh, for for his faction to pick up. Uh, in you know, we were looking at at singles, and obviously they have Paul and Lon, some pretty strong players there. But um, you know, they have an inner, inner geekdom title match coming up next weekend. They have this team's yeah. um, match now. Even though right, like it's become a, a sort of a, a jockeying between uh, corruption and Finstock Exchange at the moment at the top of the leaderboard, like uh, Swag is is remaining right there. Like they're not going to be going away, and I think that it is going to be a three horse race to the finish, probably between all three of these uh, these factions.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, also Swag is in the really fortunate position. I mean, yes, you could say the Finstock Exchange in a great position because they have Dan Merle in a title match in a couple weeks' time, and they have Ben Bateman. You know, number one contender, and then you know he's going to be a favorite to go to the title match. Doesn't mean he's going to win that match and that number one contender match, but he's certainly going to have matches in hand. Along with you know, if we'll see if Roke ends up in the tournament, we'll see all those things. But you know, along with the tournament play that's coming up, but Swag is also in uh, in the in a great position. Yes, because of Chandra. I think that's a really big match for them. I mean, if they win that match, I mean, you talk about. I don't even like even if they don't end up winning the faction race at the end of the year. I mean, having Ace Cabrera win the Star Wars tournament and having Chandru beat Smets. I mean, that's going to be a huge storyline, but even bigger is just the amount of points that Final Exam has in front of them as well, because even though, you know, we they may or may not be in the team's tournament, depending on how things shake out, like, the team's tournament's going to be small. It's going to be the size of the Star Wars tournament. Eight there's not going to be sure. that. Yeah, there's not going to be, well, nine teams, but there's not going to be that many matches, and the good news for them is that, say, if they are in the tournament, like, let's let us let's just set that aside, like, they have they had the match today. They have the match next week. They have Shazam. They have who's the boss. And then if they make it all the way, they're going to have a match for the team title against founding fathers uh, or corruption, even before the spectacular. So there's just so many matches, even outside of the tournament play that, that swag still has left. And yes, that is also true to some extent for the fence exchange, but they're in a great position right now. And corruption yeah. of course has the title match as well. And it, it's really a separation of, of, you know, the top three up there, you know, at the Fenstock exchange at 29 points, um, Corruption at 27 and then uh, swag bringing up that rear, that rear of the trio at 24. But like Winston was saying on the, sh- on, you know, on the, at the live event tonight, you know, this time next week, they could very well be in the lead depending on how things uh, shake out. They, they really could be. And I don't personally think Andrew is going to beat Smets, but uh, people forget, I think, or at least maybe used to forget how close that match with Smets was uh, before spectacular yeah. last year. And, I think if Chandru had had a manager like Winston last year and hadn't been rattled by the challenge, I think we might still, like, even, even with the challenge, I think that Chandru still could have won that match if he'd just been locked in after the challenge and all, and had another challenge himself there on the Harry Potter question that uh, got asked that I think Smets got away got away with one on. But uh, overall, it's really exciting times. It, it really is kind of a battle at the top of between those three because I think, I mean, the den has been left far behind now at this point. I mean, that could change if the Pride go on a run. But if the pride I wins,
0: yeah, like that's yeah, their exactly. Program. If they
1: win, that could change. But I personally just don't see that happening, and I, I really think it's you're going to see a real race, uh, or a, a little race to the to the finish here in the final stretch of the season because I expect Paul and Lon to both do well in the tournament.
0: Yeah, Um yeah, Leo, very confidently saying, "Final exam will beat the pride." I think we're both in agreement with you there. Yes, I yep. agree with Peggy here that Lon's yep. character is hilarious. Um, it was It was not just a, a one match wonder. And and I think the dynamic between him and Paul is also very funny because uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that that Paul is, is big about the, the characters and all of that. Uh, and so just to see him like reacting to Lana being like, sure, why not? This is my partner. You know, as long as he shows up and gets the answers right or whatever, then I don't really care. Um, but uh, yeah. And then Aaron's saying, I have thoughts, so many thoughts Please share your thoughts, Aaron. In
1: the yeah, in to, the, to give uh, Aaron a second to type out his thoughts, out. I will. I will say, like, I know comeback player of the year is like all about performance. And Lon, I mean, by the end of the year, if they're team champions, maybe Lon has a has a right to, or even Paulo Yama getting KO at, at the spectacular last year has a has a fight for comeback player of the year. Uh, but just in terms of character, I feel like Lon, who's like professor character, yeah. I think was still genuinely funny, even that even at the end. But I understand how it might have been overwrought, maybe by by the end, recycling this kind of the same jokes. Um, in, in most matches, I still found them funny, but to reinvent your character and have now be responsible for two, I think, of the better characters in the showdown in terms of a uh, joke factor, I think is really good. And and also talking more about Paul and, and Lon as a team, I think their dynamic, not only is it funny and it, and it works, I think it's like Paul is also just the perfect foil for Lon as a partner. I mean, like he really is. He's like very laser focused and on the strategy very and composed, not just that. Yeah. yeah, very composed. And and even more than the strategy, I think, which is not something I thought about until the first match we watched them in the studio, and you know, and they played. I even forget who they played. Was it the Cuckoo's mess? I can't even remember um, who they played at this point. But it, whoever they played in the studio, like I, I found it so interesting to watch Paul like coach Lon, not just in strategy, but just like when to stay focused, when to like tell him to you know drop the character a little bit. And I really, I really the, enjoyed that.
0: Wasn't it Hoyk and Dewberry? It was the experiment, I believe. Was, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. 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 Um, was, it was them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, uh, a lot, lot to take away from there, there from that match and final exam. I think have a good, good recipe for success. But um, let's get on to the main event, Scott. Uh, Roca versus Irwin, number one contender match. Uh, technically the third meeting between these two guys. Second one-on-one uh, meeting, um, and yeah, a, a lot of hype going into this match. Um, both players, it seemed, you know, preparing more than they have ever, I mean, that's saying a lot for Roca. Erwin, it seemed, you know, was putting in some preparation there, perhaps with, uh, with Sam Levine, uh, as his new manager after that trade happening. Um, he, you know, he, he, Sam has sort of motivated him a a little bit to to do some preparation. Cause obviously in the past, he's been, uh, the guy who's like, I'm just going to show up and play, um. And you know that that'll be uh, that'll be it. If I win, I win, if I lose, I lose. I'm not really gonna be you know that affected either way. That's kind of Ethan's thing. But, yeah, I think he was, you know he he prepared for this match. and I think in general, we saw him a little more like uh, emotionally invested maybe in in the the match than maybe we would normally see from him. But as far as the match went, seven, seven after round one, again, they both run through their round twos. Contra- somewhat controversial moments that come up in round two that we can we can talk about here. Um, the first being a challenge, right, to Ethan answering uh, that uh, a film was set in the 60s, that the, the film Detroit. Detroit was set in the 60s. Yeah. He, he simply said the 60s, you know, obviously meaning the 1960s, and Mark Ellis kind of corrected him saying, I assume you mean the 1960s, yeah, that's correct. And then Roka challenging, um, Really, at the behest of his manager, it seemed like at the behest of Tom.
1: um, Even at the behest of Christian, even
0: yeah, was was too like resolute in challenging it at first, but um, challenging basically. He had to know
1: he wasn't going to win it.
0: That Ethan, yeah, did did not say um, nineteen sixties; that he just said sixties. And you know, this is the thing, Scott. When it first goes to the challenge, we were we were we kind of thought, oh well, this is you know, dumb, this is easily going to get overturned and, or, I mean, the the call will get upheld. Ethan is going to get the points and that'll be, that we will move on. Then as we were thinking about it a little more, we thought, well, maybe they'll ask a new question because it seemed like Ellis did help him along a little bit. And that is obviously what they ended up doing, but it seemed like um, that Roka was like really disappointed about the fact that they just did not count the answer wrong for Ethan, which like, I don't understand, um, why he would have expected that they would count. Again, I think what what happened with Ethan getting a new question was probably best case scenario for Roca, honestly, uh with, with that challenge. I don't think that they were ever going to be like, nope, you didn't say 1960s. Um, you know, you're 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 wrong. And we're going to move on to the next question. So I think that was maybe a little unrealistic for roca to hope that that, that was what was going to happen. Um, yeah. And in the end they probably did the right thing with asking a new question. I mean, it it, it is kind of a a petty challenge, but you know, games, gamesmanship is a thing. And, um, I think certainly,
1: and certainly in terms of games, worth taking a shot. Yeah. And certainly in terms of gamesmanship, I mean, Ethan and, and Sam, I mean, they were doing it all night. I mean, goodness, it, it's not like either side was, was short of it. And yeah, like the challenge was fine. Like, Look like Sam Levine on the other side of that is a hundred percent challenging that, and I don't disagree with what Roka was saying around Sam would be kicking up a storm about it. Um, it's ba- it's like it's literally what Sam did in the Molly Damon versus um, Adam Witt match; is he just challenged like little like small little details? And I, I absolutely think he would have been challenging uh, on-, on the other side of that coin. And so I, I wasn't surprised to see it go that way. I I would have been shocked if they didn't if they just completely took the points. Um, away from him yeah, and didn't actually. I ask don't him think that question. was that ever that gonna, would have been
0: Crazy, yeah. I mean, there would have been such an uproar about that, I, I think, if that had happened. Um, and yeah, Aaron was saying that the the challenge was was Bush League. And look, I, like we were saying, I think Ro- that's even what Roca thought at first because he was kind of laughing about it, like, Oh, am I gonna challenge that? blah blah blah. blah. And then Christian was kind of like, Well, you're gonna challenge it. And then they brought in Tom, and it seems like he he got shanghai into it a little bit, but then you know, Roca, like. Once they handed he out committed. the ruling, he was definitely <laughs> definitely bringing the fire. Yeah, he he was uh, he was very very committed, and it, again, it still seemed like he was pretty disappointed about that afterwards. But yeah, Roka got his challenge back. I think he got the the best he could have hoped for. He could have rationally hoped for out of that challenge. Um, and then the yeah. other thing, which Leo Leo brought up here, um, is yeah, we didn't really the chat
1: doesn't even under- know.
0: <laughs> yeah, we didn't really in the, in understand this until. Until uh, until Dan Merle was kind of hinting at it in the post match, but um, it seemed that the Ethan had a question about what rank Jeremy Renner's character was in the Hurt Locker, um, yeah. and uh, he answered Sergeant, and apparently the answer was.
1: I, I think we, we confirmed
0: that it was Sergeant First Class, right? It was not Staff Sergeant, Sergeant First Class, but still, either either way, Sergeant was probably not the the fully correct answer, and it's
1: not the honestly, most that, correct answer. Yeah, yes,
0: that would have been the better place for a challenge, probably if, if you're Roka, but I just don't think that he realized that. And obviously, you know, they, yeah. they can't really look at the chat. We, we kind of saw something with that in the the Twitch match that happened with Winston, like looking at the chat a lot later on, it seemed, and then bringing up a challenge way after the fact. And obviously it got, it got struck down, but obviously the players aren't really looking at the chat or anything like that. So, um, he, uh, you know, you know, he could, he probably didn't know to challenge that, but you know one one of those moments that that you look back on especially after how the match went down with it being so close and going to sudden death and you think hey if that that goes another way it you know Roka could have could have easily won but i i do wonder i guess i guess i kind of wonder what was written in the doc that Christian had right but like was sergeant first class written in there and he just kind of looked at it and said oh yeah that's the same thing or was it a genuine error and The answer was written, or or whoever wrote the answer in the document did that and said, Hey, it's sergeant first class. I'll just put sergeant, that's fine. Um, again, I don't I don't even know necessarily know if I think that challenge would have been should have would or should have been uh you know upheld, but I think I would have understood that more. Like if they had just outright if they had outright said, Hey, you got it wrong, it's actually sergeant first class, it would have been a little harsh, but I think I would have been like, Okay, whereas if you know they had counted the 60s wrong or whatever i would have been like dang I, I do not agree with that
1: yeah i i mean i think by strictly by the the letter of it i, I think it is like it is technically a, a different rank so i yeah i'm yeah. not really sure which way they would have gone with it i think that anyone who's had... in the
0: military in the chat please let us know
1: <laughs> yeah i i mean like it's definitely a, a different rank right like yeah, I mean, just just like Sergeant First Class and Staff Sergeant is a different rank because that's what people mm-hmm. were going back and forth with uh, within the class. Because I think at the beginning of the film, or like the Staff Sergeant is killed, and then Jeremy Renner's character, um, like I don't know, it's been so long since I've seen the I movie, seen but it actually. oh yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but anyway, I think it's an interesting challenge. I think it's a it's a really tough question, right? Like I mean, I, yeah, you get some tough questions in in round two. I'm not saying I'm not excusing it, but um, I'm not I'm not surprised that you know it wasn't necessarily caught because it seems like a very small detail and sub detail. Like it feels like one of those things where uh, that one's easy to slip by. And like, I like would any manager really catch that, it has to be one of the, someone with a very specific knowledge of, of yeah. the film, I guess. And even also maybe having some additional knowledge outside of the film as well. Yeah. But those no, are the be- def- yeah.
0: Definitely a, a tough question. Yeah. And right. Again, like that's one of those things. If you want, if you want to challenge it, like, You've got to actually know the, the uh, you know, the the fact you got, you got to know that it was sergeant first class, not, not just a sergeant. Um, and Roka obviously didn't know that. Again, we don't know what was written in the document, so maybe if it wasn't quite right, um, you know, Christian or Mark should have said something. But again, then you get in that sticky situation of like where, you know, what do you do? Do you say, can you be more specific or do you kind of like say, eh, uh, yeah, no, that's wrong and throw it to Roka. And then obviously, you know, that gives him an, an advantage. Like it, it's, it was almost a no, no, uh, no win situation uh, for, for them. And so I, I think I don't, I, again, we don't know what was in the dock, but um, you know, they, they did count it right. And, you know, we, we moved on. It seemed like Dan was, was a little bit upset about it after the match, but you know, you'd expect that, uh, you know, Roka was, is his partner. Yeah. I think Merle wanted that, that match between him and Roka, wanted that title match to happen. Um, and, you know, it, it, it won't be happening now, but um, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. too upset about the way that things ended up playing out. Like, I don't think that there's much cause for, like, uproar. But that doesn't mean yeah. that there <laughs> won't be uproar, because that's how the, the community goes a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I, I guess a final thought on this is that, like, I think, I'm just, I was like, going on the Wikipedia page here. So uh, there are, there is, so yeah, so Anthony Mackey's character in the, in the movie in the film is a sergeant so that is like a different even like a different character with a different rank that is the rank that ethan said and then mm-hmm. you have jeremy Renner's character who is you know very clearly laid out as a sergeant first class so i can definitely i could definitely see that being you know being upheld and i i, I doubt that um i said
0: this like exact I, thing here yeah when, yeah, when yeah. Scott and I were watching it i said about bet mara told him that
1: <laughs> yeah uh, I I'm, I'm, i don't doubt that in the slightest, but I, I do think that there, there is a legitimate grievance. And I put that in quotation marks there because um, like, it doesn't seem like it was the right answer. Right. But that, that happens. And you know, part of your job as a player is to be able to catch those small things. Cause we've talked about on the podcast here before about, you know, what is the like acceptable margin of error for, you know, for your Christians, for your Mark, for PJ, whoever's doing, you know, the writing of the questions. And I think this one, should it be like we don't again? To your point, we don't know what's written in the question document, but like this is probably within the acceptable margin error of the question writing. But then like that that puts even more burden uh, on, on you to to know the specifics and the details and the differences uh, between all these things. If in fact the question document or the question document said just sergeant or whatever.
0: Yeah, and I will add to that too that I think I am more okay with it being counted in a general trivia match than I am in like an inner geekdom or a Star, or a Star Wars War. match where That's I think fair. those details really matter, right? Like I think, yeah. uh, you know, because there are so few movies, like there are a lot fewer things that can actually be asked about. I think that you should be expected to know the, you mm-hmm. know, the the minutia. Whereas, you know, when you're when you're talking about um, general movies and you know infinite number of questions and stuff that could be asked. I think just knowing that it was some sort of sergeant uh, is probably enough. Maybe the counterpoint there is, hey, it's a he. He chose Catherine Bigelow. It's a very hyper specific category with only a few movies. Kind of the same way as Intergeek. Maybe he should be expected to know all of the little details of those few Catherine yeah. Bigelow movies. But I think there's solid arguments on both sides of, of that.
1: Uh, yeah, and no and way. and one of the thing like separate from, I, I agree with that that point. I think that I could really see it both ways, and I I don't think you could have any complaints if it was challenged and and the challenge was upheld there. I don't think you could have any complaints about it. And uh, I think one of the thing about this match that I found interesting, going back to a comment you made earlier, was around the gamesmanship of it, right? Like, you know, we were talking. I mean, I listened to backstage this week, and we were talking about how it was so strange when Ethan Irwin came on backstage this week and told Roco one of the slices he put on the wheel. And then that wheel and that slice wasn't on the wheel, uh, yeah. this week, which I thought was pretty funny uh, in the grand in the grand scheme of things because it yeah. caused such a hullabaloo on backstage. But there's just so much gamesmanship in this in this match overall. I mean, but like Sam constantly getting his shots, getting his shots in. I think even I mean clearly Ethan here going on backstage and telling a, a slice telling telling John and and Ben on backstage that what slice one of the slices he would put on on the wheel when it wasn't on there. And it just, it just felt like it was a really interesting attempt to get into Roka's head. And what I will say is that I genuinely don't think that it worked. Like, I think more so than maybe any other time in these heated moments that I've seen Roka, is that I didn't really feel like he was ever really rattled in this match. I mean, yes, he had the challenge that he, yeah. he seemed to be upset about. But he seemed to move on pretty quickly from it. All of mm-hmm. Sam's jabs in between in between rounds never really seemed to land. I mean, who knows what's going on in his head, right? But, you know, visibly on the on the exterior, it didn't really seem to be affecting him. And then I think you, you see how much it, it mattered to him after the match with kind of the, I, I don't want to say explosion. Cause we've seen much larger explosions of emotion from Roka before, but you know, the, the, the display of emotion that you see after the match. And then um, you know how personally he was taking comments in the chat from like Brandon Hannah, who was just, I, I went over to the, to the chat and looked at what comments I didn't see all the comments he made, but I see he was saying that it doesn't matter if he knows it. If he can't, if he can't come up with the answer in less than 15 seconds, it's not good enough. So he's just like taunting him there, which like, look, it's a dick move. I think Sam unintentionally was also, it was a green a
0: Hornet and, question. Brandon Hannah wouldn't have been able to get it. However many, much time he had. So
1: yeah, yeah, that, that's very true. I, I just think overall it was a really interesting um, display, like very clear, like clear, maybe even than any other match that I've, that I've seen recently, or maybe I'm just like recency bias here, but just a lot of attempts to try to get under Roca's skin. And I actually think for the most part, it didn't work. It just didn't end up falling in his favor uh, at the end of the day. And I, I don't know if, if, if it's inevitable that controversy and quotation marks here follows the outlaw, but this really does fit into the John Roka narrative that will probably last forever into the ends of time, all the way into like season 20, when he's still trying to win titles, uh, he's just going to continue having these moments and, He's going to use that to talk about how he's going to retire. He's going to take two weeks. He's going to come back with passion and fire and, you know, we'll see what he does. Right. I think he's going to, I think one side of the draw will be a little bit easier for him than the other. If he does end up in the tournament, but I don't know. It's an interesting aspect of this match that I hadn't noticed before. Maybe it's, again, because of the online digital display of the match where you're seeing every little thing that's being said. Maybe Mm -hmm. this isn't that strange or unusual because you can't always hear what's being said in the crowd or what's being said by the managers on the stage and in the studio. But it just seemed a really evident go at John repeatedly over and over and over. Um, And it didn't work for the most part. I thought that was good because in the past, I feel like it's gotten to Roka before in these types of matches. Not always, but sometimes, and it didn't at all this time.
0: Yeah, and yeah, Leo, bringing up the new categories here. Uh, I did when I saw that that was on the wheel. I was like, Catherine Bigelow is a slice now. I, I don't know. I feel like there are some like other directors who I would expect to have slices before we got to Catherine Bigelow. But um, I mean, she's one of the most famous
1: I, female directors.
0: Yeah, and, and see, see, that's the thing. I think that uh, that maybe they chose her because she was like a female director. I think maybe that probably um, was some yeah, of the the thought process. Um, But it's still an an interesting choice for a slice. But I wanted to highlight this because I want that courtroom legal thrillers category to really come up sometime. Um, I I think maybe it's been on the wheel once or twice, but it hasn't gotten spun yet. So I am looking forward to when it it is. Um, And yes, of course, we all agree with Peggy. Go Adam Collins, even if he is representing corruption. Go Marisol, even if she is representing uh, corruption, I believe. Uh, So... um, yes go go to all of our our family friends for sure but um yeah so so the you know the match then carried on into round three we go to sudden death after both guys missing their their five pointers um roca yeah like the I, I think to your point where you're saying about him maybe be taking it a little bit easier than we've seen uh normally i think what happened on his five pointer you know where he sort of ran out of time asked for a repeat but it was too late And then he just kind of brushed it off. He was like, yeah, it's fine. I wouldn't have known it. I feel like an older Roka might have been like, hey, even if I, you know, didn't know it at that moment, like he probably maybe would have still lodged some sort of a complaint um, because... Um, you know, because he's Roka about the fact that he should have been granted the repeat there, whether he knew it or not, you know, just on principle. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, he, he, he did seem to be, you know, making a conscious effort to not let Ethan get in his head. And I will say, I do think it was still, whether it worked or not, I think that what Ethan did was like, in theory, very smart, because he was playing into like the persona of him that we always talk about, right? Of like, he's just like the cool guy. He doesn't, crack under pressure he doesn't you know get rattled whatever and i think he was playing into that by you know making everyone think oh yeah hey this is exactly something that ethan Irwin would do right he would he would totally give away a category that he was going to put on the wheel on an episode of backstation he just wouldn't care he wouldn't think twice about it and so i think that because it was so believable based on the persona that ethan has had uh the fact that it didn't end up being on the wheel makes it you know even more surprising and shows that ethan i think or Sam, whoever, you know, his decision it was, was being very savvy in the way that they are thinking about, you know, the way that Ethan is perceived by by the yeah. Shmodown fans. But anyway, we go to Sudden Death. Uh, I think three questions into Sudden Death. A uh, question about the director of Tootsie and, you know, almost another Jane Fonda moment. But Roka, to his credit, again, you know, didn't put up too much of a fight of, about, you know, the fact that he – did not get the answer fully written of Sidney Pollock. He had started to write it, but he ran out of time. He did not have a repeat left because he had used his one repeat on the previous question, um, and he was only able to really get like Sid Pollock, but it was also kind of like not really that legible. So it's yeah, definitely looked a like, tough it looked
1: beat. like Ridd Pollock.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a tough beat because he did know the answer, and if he had been given it's a Jane Fonda exactly, second, he would have been. Yeah, like it literally uh, is but, a remix. But did he actually know Jane Fonda? Like, I'm not. He sure. He answered if, first. If we, did he? he oh, answered okay. First um, that,
1: yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. No. You're. You're right. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. It, it was. It was that kind of situation again. But he did not put up a fight. I think it's good that he didn't because I don't think that he. You know, this debate rules. can go on till the end of time, but yeah. I, I think that um, you know, he would not have won a challenge or anything like that. Yeah, Leo agrees with you, he said a rid Pollock, but um yeah, it,
1: it's one of those things where yeah. he clearly knew the answer, right? Like he, there's no debating, yeah. like he came up with the answer at the end of the time, but that's but not that's the why rules. there's a time limit. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's not that's not the rules though. You have to write it down. So Yeah. And like, he knows that the, and that's why he didn't fight limit. it.
0: The time limit is there not just to move the match along. It's there to like put pressure on the competitors to think of the answer within the time period. And if you can't do that, then you know you don't deserve to get a point. And that's what happened to Roca, even though he didn't know it, even though it is a tough loss, sudden death, whatever. Um, a loss is a loss. And um, Ethan is going to be moving on now for another date with Dan Merle, their third matchup, I believe. Um, yep. They have split the series. This is going to be the rubber match. So to speak. Um, and and yeah, it, it, it's going to be a slobber knocker, I think, of a match. <laughs> you know, as far as the the factions go, um, you yeah, have the usual suspects still really needing points. Uh, they're going to get some points no matter what from this match, but, uh, you know, obviously they would really like to have no, they're not. No, a they're win. Not. There's not the title, a, the title points points a title match for a title loss. Oh, yeah, okay. The, the, they um, get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, but. Well, they they then they obviously do want a, a win really badly uh, because there's probably going to be one more singles title match before the end of the year uh, at the spectacular, I would assume. So, well, if Ethan the, the wins, Bateman,
1: there's the Bateman guy match and then spectacular. That's true.
0: So, there's going to be a couple more. So, so that's a lot uh, of opportunities for Ethan to get points if he can, you know, yeah. uh, come out on top against Merle and then defend the belt. And then obviously for but this is one of the talking points
1: that we haven't really acknowledged at all is that this whole, this whole point controversy thing. I mean, if you call it a controversy, I don't know if you were following this at all, Scott, but the, the change in point, I shouldn't say change, but the announcement that the point values for the singles tournament will be the same as the point values for the inner geekdom tournament. So it's three points for a win uh, in a match. Like that's the same as the title match. And so yeah. like, if you're, if you're Sam Levine moneyballing the league, which you know, he is like, you kind of like, yes, there's two title matches left. But like Ethan Irwin can get a hell of a lot more points by losing. Going through the
0: tournament, yeah.
1: Like, by going through the tournament. Like, yes, he could theoretically get, you know, the three. Po- the, so, obviously, the three points for the win against Admiral, the three points for a win against, say, Bateman or Guy. I mean, if it's Guy, then it's a win win for the faction. But, um, and then the spectacular match. But really, the only difference is that you get six points if he assuming that if ethan were in the tournament he'd go all the way through which is obviously a big assumption but you have to assume that when you're doing the calculus here i guess but like I mean, he six would get points,
0: one or two wins you would expect at least yeah, yeah i
1: mean you would you would think so yeah he'd be playing a play-in match against was it vinny and or sabrina and yeah vinny, yeah, vinny he, versus he, sabrina would be what it'd be
0: yeah he'd be playing one of them
1: yeah um but anyway like you do the calculus there and it's six points not including the spectacular Um, or I mean more if you get a KO, but that seems unlikely, um, versus, you know, if you run the tournament, I mean, that's like, what is that? That's five rounds, right? Like five rounds. And then the spectacular, I mean, that is 15 points. That's if you don't get any KOs, which in that first round, you might get a KO. I mean, you never know, especially with the quality of Ethan. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a tough calculus to make there. But if I know Sam, if Sam's trying to be competitive, uh, and to give the best showing for the suspects, uh, in the in the league this season, he'll want Ethan to be in the tournament, but I mean the season's a wash for the suspects. I mean you might as well just you you might as well just just ha- say that you have a belt holder at the end of the year, right? Yeah, try to have a belt at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. No, I, I think that's a good point because outside of Ethan, I'm not sure what they have in the way of singles threats. I guess Janine. or no, but she she, is she in the tournament.
1: Janine, She's not, right? No, no she got, not. so yeah, she got passed over. Right. It's, so it's, um, Atchity, beyond e- Montano right. and Sabina Graves alongside mm-hmm. either Ethan Irwin or Jen Kemp.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the J- Jen Kemp it would be a solid player, but she would have a, a tough road, I think. Um, but because she would have to go through Merle probably, you know, that's, that's Roca. the way that she's getting into the tournament. I, I think. Right. Um, Roca.
1: Is it
0: Roka going to be on the left, on the left side? Um,
1: Only if Ethan's in the tournament.
0: No. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I forget how it shakes out, but um, but yeah. So e- e- obviously, tournament implications for whoever wins slash loses this match, uh, whether Sabrina is in, whether Jen Kemp is in, that kind of stuff is going to be determined by what happens in uh, in, in the match uh, in, in the in the title match between Dan and Ethan. But uh, it, it should be a really good match. That's an interesting point that you bring up about the points there. Um, I. Yeah, I'd be surprised if any, if if like you know Ethan or Sam really tried to to pursue that like option of hey let's let's go to the tournament just like they're, we were they're talking not pulling about Mike
1: with Kalinowski. The, they're not pulling out, Ka- Mike Mike right, Kalinowski. Right, yeah.
0: just like we were talking about with like the Intergeekdom title match. Me and you were talking about Scott. Like, what if one of them just decided to like take the fall, give the other person a KO, so they could get an extra point? Like, I think there's a certain level of that we're, we're not. It would quite ruin there your
1: reputation this, in the league.
0: The strategizing, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But I, but, like, I do want to go back. You're, though, if you're
0: corruption, like they probably don't care about that. Like that's yeah. their that's their persona. But um,
1: uh, I don't you know even know if I I don't know I don't know I don't Chance and Mike, like yeah, they're corruption, but I don't know. Like I feel like they're some of the most upstanding people in in the Schmodown in terms of like you may hate them, but you respect them. And and I think that doing Maybe. something like that, I mean, it would just be, I mean, that'd be mad disrespectful to the league. Yeah. I, one of the things I do find interesting about the way the bracket shakes out. And I know we're kind of already volleying back and forth, some of the confusing different moving parts of it. But if Roka decides to not go into the tournament, which I, I personally think that's really unlikely that he wouldn't go into the tournament. Yeah. But think, we'll see. I think he still will. Yeah. I think, I think he will like give, give him the weekend. I think he'll, he'll pick himself up there um and, and go back at it, go back at it again, especially because he has the t- the team title match in just a few weeks, right? Like that's two weeks, three weeks away. I can't remember when it is. Um, I think it's August 14th, but it might be the 21st. Uh, but anyway, I think that overall, like, I still, I still expect Roka to be in the tournament. And but if he weren't in the tournament, I mean, that would be kind of crazy, right? Like, like I almost feel like the bracket would just get completely reshuffled because you're not going to put Sabrina Ramirez in like the one seed slot on that side of and, the draw.
0: And Chuck would probably have to have another player. Right. In, in that case, then maybe like Cody Hall comes in. Right. Like, because he's, well, he's you only need
1: another player. There. If Ethan won the title match, if Dan won the title match, then it would be fine. But right. um, yeah, but if, if, if Dan were to, to win and Rocco were to not go into the, into the tournament, then you would need another player. Yeah. Did I mess that up? No, that was yeah, wrong. yeah.
0: So if if Dan, if Dan wins, then you will need another player. If I think Dan I said it loses, wrong the first time, then you yeah. have yeah, yeah, you did, yeah, but yeah. it's it's fine. Yeah. We 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 got it, but yeah. So yeah. then maybe like I guess you would see Stock have to put somebody else in from their roster. Like I said, like maybe a Cody Hall or somebody gets in in that circumstance. But um, yeah, like yeah. What do you do? It's of, either
1: it's either Cody a or Gray parts. Drake, right? Like who else even is there?
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Doug Milanta Benson. Or no, he's on the usual suspects. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But um, we we will know soon enough, I, I suppose. But, um, yeah, yeah we, we we kind of talked about there, but Roca, you know, de- pretty downtrodden after the match, kind of, again, he's done this before, talking about, oh, I, this might be it for me. And maybe yeah. it is. Or, like, may, maybe this is the time he finally throws it in. I think a lot will depend on that team's title match, right? Like, I think if... If they lose the team title belts, then I could legitimately see see him saying, "Hey, I'm this is it." Or, or maybe he goes for the rematch, right? Because maybe they get a. I guess they wouldn't get a rematch, um, because we're going to have another team in line to face. um, Who you know, corruption in in that circumstance, we're going to have. Right, and they haven't defended
1: twice yet. You have to defend twice. That's automatic. Yeah.
0: Um. That is true. So, so yeah. After that, I could totally see Roka saying. Hey, maybe, you know, or maybe, maybe it's like, a, I'll take a year off, something like that. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think he still has a lot to offer, like skill wise and character wise, but I, I mean, certainly clearly, wouldn't fault him. Clearly he does. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't fault him for hanging it up because he's, he's been around for so long. He puts so much into the game and, you know, right now, especially just like talking about him outside of the now, he does so many things. Like the amount of shows that he hosts or is involved with is like. I don't know how he does it like uh, I just don't know how there are enough hours in the day for him to do all the things that he does and I'm sure that adding the stress of studying for a big showdown match on on top of that doesn't make things any easier so um, yeah. If there's a time that he is going to hang it up, maybe this is it, right? Maybe after after that team's title match, like I said, uh, maybe even if they win, right? Like maybe it's maybe if it's like a a above the line situation or something where they're like, hey, we're Mm going to go out on top. And um, I think you know, I I I wanted to win with with my partner Dan, and we've done that, so now I'm going to you know ride off into the sunset. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, no, I was because I was thinking about this exact thing. Like, what is like what is the situation that maybe makes the most sense? not just for John Roka, but, but also the Finstock exchange. Right. And I, and I think if, you know, you think about the makeup of the, of how like the faction of the Finstock exchange right now and thinking about next year, you're only able to retain three players going into the draft. Right. And the Finstock exchange has an embarrassment of riches, not just in their top four, but in their top six players, like, like I'm sure Finstock would like to keep six, six players yeah. really on, on his roster. If he could, if not seven with Sabrina Ramirez, I don't, I don't know what she's actually like. Maybe we'll see in the tournament. Hopefully we will, but um, uh, like, it's really crazy. And and if John Roca is really thinking about retirement and, you know, say he holds on, say they hold on to the belt through spectacular, say they were, they defend three more times and Rocha, I don't know. He ends up in the singles tournament, but loses to Adam Collins, like we predicted or something like that. Um, like, I think it would be really interesting because it, it feels like it might be the right time. And it would certainly be would certainly take Finstock, the Finstock exchange out of an already tight position or ease the burden a little bit. Right. Like, I mean, just being honest here, like I, I think they should keep Dan Merle, Ben Bateman and the Barbarian and roll their dice on a new Star Wars player You know, going going into next year. I think there's an argument. Maybe you take Barbarian and Bateman and, and Demolanta if you really think he's the money for Star Wars. I don't, I don't know. But overall, like it's going to be a really tough pick for them going into next year, even without Roca on the table. And the truth is, like as as much as John Roca is a, is a self-starter, you know, is someone who very much has earned every single plot it pretty much that he's ever gotten in the showdown. Being on the Finstock exchange, I think is so I really think it's so important for him. I mean, you listen to the way he talked about how he prepared for the match. Like, yes. Yes. He did some, some preparation on his own, obviously. But when you have a faction of people like the Barbarian, like Dan Merle, like Ben Bateman, I mean, these people, just these competitors, let alone Finstock, who I think motivates players like Roka really well, actually. Uh, like these, like it is such an important dynamic that he'd be on a team like that. Like, I cannot imagine him on e- the usual suspects, for example. Like it would just be yeah. him and Sam. Like, Ethan, Ethan's not gonna be a motivator for John Roka like Andrew guy is not going to be a like the, the truth is like, he's just not going to be a motivator for John Roca like people in the Finstock exchange are. And I just think it's going to be that much harder for someone like John Roca to do it next year in, you know, outside the Finstock exchange. I think that's the truth. And I don't think that he'd be some, like maybe Gucci would keep him if he's on the table. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know who, what, what he's thinking, but like, I, I don't know if I was in, if I was in Gucci's position, if I'd be keeping Roca personally, I think that's a really, that's a really tough sell when you have someone, you know, a multi leak threat, like barbarian, like potentially Dan Merle, if he goes into air geekdom. And then I just think him and Ben Bateman, I just have such a good dynamic that I think it it would just really surprise me if he didn't keep Bateman. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that it's kind of a two way, it, it's almost like a, a reciprocal relationship here where like, I think Roka needs the Finstock exchange. And if he's not going to get that, then, then I don't really know if he, if he'll really be able to do better next year. I mean, it's possible that he would like, he come back to more fire and, and, and does the, and does the work himself and, and gets it done. But when you hear him talk about the way that his faction has supported him, I'm not saying that other factions don't support their players, but it, it's just, it just feels different with the fence Exchange just because of who the yeah. players are and, and the way they go about their business. It feels different than even swag, right? Who I know that they're training up people with ACE and, and, um, Chandru and, uh, Oyama, Lon, etc. Like, there's clearly people there, but they just don't feel like it's not the same personality, right? It's not like that old school Schmodan vibe that even Ben Bateman does have, even though he's relatively newer in the league. Um, and I and I think that Roka is someone who really needs that to push him forward at this stage of his career.
0: Yeah, I definitely can't see Roka coming back if he's not going to be on the fifth second exchange. Like, uh, I just don't think that that would that would happen. But yeah, um, yeah, we we will see. I'm sure that Put those that decisions work. next
1: year, next year, he's yeah. going to be on like the Rock or something.
0: <laughs> the burning droogs. Imagine him with Kim now. like, so yeah. Um, I'm sure these decisions will be made in the weeks to come. But, Scott, yeah. last topic to talk about is the, you know, how the inter tournament wrapped up. It's It's been a minute since we sort of caught up with the inter tournament. And obviously, you know, big thing to talk about is that the unthinkable happened. The thing that we said would never happen, would never in a million years. He probably would never miss a question again. And that would be <laughs> the end of it. Uh, Robert Parker was defeated by uh, Chance Ellison. He missed multiple questions in this match. Um, Chance, of course, going on to win the tournament, beating his partner, Mike Kalinowski, uh, in the finals, obviously was very impressive. But, um, yeah, really really one of the most shocking upsets that I can remember in the Schmodown just because of what we know that Parker is capable of and just the complete dominance that he showed in the fan leagues and even you know in his first couple of uh schmodown matches i think that you know it wasn't unreasonable for us to be saying what we were saying about hey he may not miss a question um what whatever um and it does disappoint me right that now that he has lost i'm sure i like i haven't looked too much into it because i don't want to find these people but i'm sure there are people out there who are saying oh he's overhyped like you know we, we I never believed in him and he showed that he, he doesn't have it yet which is false like this was this was an, an anomaly and if you don't think that the guy um, you know knows his stuff is is maybe the most knowledgeable inner player out there still then <coughs> then you don't know what you're talking about quite frankly um, so so that aspect of it is disappointing but obviously you know you, you got to show up in, in the match in and um, he didn't may, maybe got got rattled a tad by missing a, a first round question, and obviously Chance going perfect in the first round. But really, it didn't seem like that. And after the match, he seemed to say, um, you know, that uh, that he wasn't rattled. That it, you know that that didn't shake him up a little bit. I think he probably would have still expected that Chance would would miss a question or two in there, or have to yeah, go to multiple points or something. Yes, yeah. which he did, uh, and he or he and he could pick up some points that way. And it it just didn't happen. And I think. Maybe towards the end of the match, when we got into round three, Parker started to sense that, "Hey, I I might be done here. I might be toast." Because then he did end up missing a question in round three. Is, yep. I think did he miss his three pointer? Um,
1: yeah, he missed the Back to the Future question, which yes, according, according to people, according to people on Facebook and Twitter, was not that difficult of a Back to the Future question. I wouldn't know because I haven't seen those films, but apparently it was a the frisbee, the pie the pie tin is, is not a hard question, apparently, which made at least some people believe that yeah. they didn't even study back to the future.
0: Well, I, and that's the thing I was thinking about is I'm not sure if back to the future is in any of the, the fan league geek. I'm pretty sure it's not in fandom. I don't know about some of the other geek leagues, but maybe, maybe not. and Maybe that's why he wasn't. Maybe that just, I mean, like, still, I find it hard to believe he he didn't study or watch them, but maybe he hasn't watched them as much as he's watched the other ones because, um, you know, they have. There's a lot of movies in Inner
1: Geekdom. There's 300 movies or whatever, and you're not going to be studying Back to the Future harder than, you know, your main eight franchises that kind of are the core pillar of of the Inner Geekdom. And I'm sure it was on a list somewhere that. He didn't quite make it all the way down. And, you know, another person who has movies on their list that didn't make it all the way down is Alex Damon. And we found out which movies those were in that match. But before we do get to that, um, yeah, I mean, it was surprising, right? Like for me, after times passed a little bit, I think that because I felt more invested in the match, I think it it felt bigger in the moment. But now that I've had time to reflect on it, like Chance Ellison beating Robert Parker feels like a big upset, but not as big, though, as Ace Cabrera over Lara Kelly specifically i think that that still feels like a bigger upset uh, uh in the grand scheme of things and and honestly very similar narratives around people who basically hadn't missed questions uh, going into going into the matches that's hyperbolic i understand that you know parker missed a question you know missed one question in the match against goddard or whatever and laura kelly you know definitely had missed questions against damon at least in the title match the previous year but overall like you're talking about two people who seem nigh-on unstoppable and almost perfect in all their outings being downed by Ace Cabrera. And the reason why I think Ace is a ace Cabrera is a bigger upset than chance is just that his relative position in the league. Like Chance is a former champion. Like yes, not an in intergeekdom. I definitely acknowledge that. But Ace Cabrera had been absolutely whipped by Robert Parker in a match different division earlier in the league. I understand that. Then you know missing five, six questions against Cavedo, missing a few questions here and there against Ken. And then coming out of nowhere and pitching a perfect game, basically, right? Like, um, and, and doing it in in that fashion. I think it's two incredibly impressive upsets. But just because of Ace's stature, less so, I guess, um, you know, Lars relative to chance, right? It, feel, it feels like it might be a bigger upset. But that's not to take away anything from either of these upsets because, you know, I'm still much closer to your camp than any naysayers out there around, you know, how impressive Robert Parker was coming into the league. I think even is, you know, he had a little bit of an off match cause he missed what two questions. He had to go to multiple choice once in the second round chance went to multiple choice once. I think too. Then they basically, um, were all square in terms of just the round two score. Um, obviously chance ahead cause of the round one missed by Parker, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it was kind of a perfect storm, but that perfect storm also involves chance not missing a question. Like, like it's pretty yeah. crazy to accomplish that. And the ace career did the same thing. Right. So, um, it's yeah, it's impressive stuff that we've seen in, in these, you know, geek tournaments between Inter geekdom and Star Wars. And yeah, I think even more surprise, like not, I shouldn't say more of a surprise, but, you know, another surprise coming in the other match that, you know, we alluded to with the other semi, I shouldn't say the other semifinal because that match was a quarterfinal, but the semi final between Alex Damon and, and Mike Kalinowski, you know, it felt like there was some sort of not narrative, but I mean, Alex Damon even talking about how like, he needs, like, he's like doomsday. He just needs to, like, he needs more matches and more time just to build up his power uh, and become unstoppable. And uh, Mike Kalinowski <laughs> managed to, to catch him on uh, on a category that he hadn't quite mastered yet. And uh, every every single match, he, you know, Damon was talking about how, okay, there's one more category I've checked off my list. Can I avoid the ones that I haven't checked off my list? And against Mike, he couldn't quite do that. And not only was it a category he was weak in, I think it was a category that came with some pretty tough questions because Mike even struggled with not. I don't know if he struggled, but even Mike was less sure than you'd expect him to be in the category of D.C. with some of them. So there it was probably really tough luck on the wheel with Alex Damon. But at the same time, that's part of the game. Like if you're if you're riding the lightning, so to speak, of, you know, am I going to get lucky in, in round two with the category that I draw? You know, you're going to have matches like he would had against Brandon Hanna where he aced it. And then you roll the dice, and you have a match like you did with Mike Kalinowski, where you get KO'd. Um, So it was pretty. It was pretty tough. I think that one of the. uh, I think the only other thing that I'll note is that it probably didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but there was some really, really weird gameplay choice to not go to, um, or to to not to not just guess on the last question in round two that he ultimately was KO'd on, Uh, not to just guess before going to multiple choice because it was a year question that Mike obviously. Uh, did not know just by the way he reacted to the question on the video, but it probably wouldn't have mattered at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, yeah, it it would have only mattered. I think maybe for saving a point, right? Like maybe then he, if he had gotten all of his questions right in round three, he could have avoided the TKO, but yeah, I think he wasn't going to win the match um, at that point. But yeah, no, I think, I think this was a case of just his luck running out. Right. Because he's, he has so many categories that he's good at that. I think maybe he thought, yeah, I can get by in round one. And then you know, as long as luck goes my way in rounds two and three, I'll be fine. And they were they were tough questions to be sure. But you know, yep. if if that's Kevin Smets, if that's uh, you know Shandrew up there, they're going to be getting a lot of points in that. And so I think maybe we we saw that um, he is he's very close to being in that upper tier of intermezzo players, but probably not quite there yet. Um, and busting my bracket uh for for good like after i was after yeah. parker lost that was a, a huge hit and then i had damon also in the finals. so um yeah but my, my bracket imploded there in the end but what are you going to do it, it happens but looking at the parker match again overall one other thing i did want to say is that sure. um, i think what we see is that kaiser's strategy in the draft did not work yeah. um and yeah um he you know his plan obviously being hey i'm going to go all in on one division by drafting, uh, you know, the the player who is the most likely to unseat the guy who is already the energy champion that is in my faction, Smets, uh, drafting Parker, of course. Um, and what it sh- but, and really, again, really just putting all of his chips in that that one basket, because if you look at him mm-hmm. teams-wise, for right, like the Butcher Boys or whatever, their number one team. If you look at them singles-wise, they have Eric Zipper as their top player. Um, And I think they just went all in assuming that they're going to be able to dominate intergeekdom and that was going to get them the points that they needed. And you know, what this showed is, Hey, look, you can have as close to a sure thing as is possible. Like Robert Parker winning that intergeekdom tournament, like we talked about was, was almost a sure thing. was like about as close as a sure thing as you're going to get with drafting somebody like that. Uh, And it didn't work. Right. And now, now they are in a situation where if Smets does not win this title match, they could easily plummet to the bottom, you know, tier of the standings by the, the end of the season because, you know, you can't see them picking up that many points in the singles or the teams tournament. To be quite honest, um, and so I think that Kaiser is definitely going to want to reevaluate things for next year and try to diversify his portfolio a little more, so to speak, so that um, he can spread points around because the factions that are doing really well, right? I I guess if you look at corruption. It really has been Intergeekdom, where they have picked up a lot of their points, but they have a team's title match coming up. If you look at swag, you're talking about really like all of the divisions they've been performing well. Uh, maybe maybe not quite there in singles yet, but I think they will get a lot of opportunities. But teams-wise, they have a really solid contender. Star Wars, they have a person going in for a title match. Intergeekdom, they have a person going for a title match. So, um, you know, the, the factions that are doing really well uh, and, you know, Finstock obviously, you know, same situation. I think that um, the dungeon, uh, you know, it was a bold strategy and, you know, you, you can't blame them for trying it, I guess, but it has yeah. not paid off.
1: And in, in a normal season, it it might have paid off, right? Like, I, I like the way this season has played out is like the opposite of what Kaiser would have wanted, even with the Intergeekdom tournament, right? Like, even if you could sit there knowing you have the belt holder and you could put Robert Parker and Eric Zipper into the tournament like yeah Robert Parker might win but even if Robert Parker is winning the tournament right that is that is not going to get you to the top of this this leaderboard but if you rewind a year ago right and look at at the kind of year that Kevin Smets had in his build up to the inner geekdom, right like if Robert Parker had, had that build up you probably would have had Robert Parker playing Kevin Smets in like May Right, and then like you still have the rest of the year for these guys to play interkeeked yeah. matches to win the belt. Like you certainly would not have put your money on Kevin Smets's first match of the year being August seventh. Like that's crazy. There's just no way you can bet on that going into it the- because if so, like you probably wouldn't have drafted him. <laughs> like if, if I mean Kaiser probably still would have drafted him, but like a, a manager trying to win the faction, the you know the faction competition here for points, like. You're not gonna draft a player, even if he has a belt, that's not gonna play for the first literally the first seven months of the year. I mean, that is that's just like that. This is not something you can brick. I mean, it's bad, it's very bad luck, right? It's you know, Mara not ended up not playing the title match, and then right before the Chandru Smets you know, live event match in in Houston, I think it was gonna be in Houston, right? Um that's so. got cancelled. Yeah, it was, either, it was either the April, the April match or the or the May match. I can't remember when it was, but you know you ha- he had said like three or four, or maybe even five matches, seemingly scheduled at different points during the year, and just non- none of them have have gone through until you know next week, August seventh, and it's then, you know, that's obviously a huge disappointment. Parker losing to, to Chance the tournament, big disappointment. I don't think you can say Zipper losing to Kalinowski is that big of a disappointment. And I think you could argue that maybe like some sort of team of zipper and video drew might be your number one team. Although video drew is teamed with Rick Hong. So I don't know in terms of the rules if they'd be allowed to split that team up yet. Cause I think it takes two losses before you can split a team up. Um, we'll see if they are, they are lax on those rules or, or what that might end up looking like. But even zipper and video drew, like it's not a top tier team. Like they're not going to be competing with the number one teams from other factions. And, and if, if that is what, the team's tournament looks like right and certainly the butcher boys wouldn't be and so it's just yeah it's just it was a bold strategy for sure that very well might have paid off and obviously you can see the bet is kevin smetz is winning four points you know five times this year because of title matches or whatever and yeah. robert parker is cleaning up house in a build-up to a title match because he's going to ko everyone like smetz did last year like you can see the strategy in a normal year it very well might have worked but uh <laughs> luck certainly not on their side this year in terms of how the match scheduling alone played out and then a little bit of bad luck too, in the matches themselves. If you count Parker's loss, uh, a tough one.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's a good point. I think for that reason, you can't blame Kaiser too much for, for going for it, but I still think that he will, he will try to do things differently next year, even if we are, you know, somehow going to be good enough to go back to the studio, you know, next year, next season. Yeah, um,
1: I, I think I, I it's really interesting possible. to think about what Kaiser is going to do leading into the draft, right? Because, I mean, it seems like he's probably going to keep Smets and Parker, even though you could argue whether that's a mistake or not. I mean, he might keep him just for the trade power of it. Um, and then, what? like, what is he going to do that third play? I'm sorry, like, he's so stupid to keep Zipper. Like if he, if he retains zipper in that third spot, like yeah. he should be going out there trying to get someone like barbarian, like Mark Riley, like John Roca, if he's out there on the market, like I think the dungeon is like a prime faction for someone uh, to, to, to gobble up one of these, like, you know, excess uh, or surplus to requirements, people from the Finn Stock exchange. I mean, maybe he's crazy and goes after Andrew DeMolanta. If he gets like, I mean, like, I don't know. like It seems like a Kaiser thing to do. I have no idea, but um <laughs> Like, yeah, it's just really interesting what his strategy is going to be because I think there's a couple managers. Kaiser's definitely one of them that is really going to take an, an open season approach, probably to free agency. Like, I, I don't know if Ken Knapsack takes things seriously enough to do that, but the Drugs is definitely another faction that should probably take a look at their roster and yeah. maybe not keep any of them and maybe go after some different people. Maybe, maybe keep Alonzo, but even then, uh, I think you could there's we'll definitely see how he does in the that, singles
0: tournament. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, and then, Scott, of course, we had the finals, uh, Chance versus Mike. Both guys seemed to be taking it a, a little easy because, obviously, they, uh, you know, same same faction. They were going to get all the points no matter what, partners and everything as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think both guys wanted to win in the end.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I think were, it was – they were missing – They weren't, take, yeah, they weren't taking it easy, but it was, like, relaxed. Like, you didn't feel like there was, like, a ton yeah. of tension and, in the room.
0: And they, they were missing a few – questions along the way right they i think they both missed in round one and so maybe if it was different circumstances they they would have locked in a little bit more and and pulled out the answers to those questions but uh you know hey they they worked very hard to get to that point and so they uh i guess they enjoyed the luxury of of you know getting to have a nice uh you know relaxed uh championship match um even though, like I said, I think both guys did really want to win in the end. And yeah. chance was the one who won. Mike was unable to get his five point middle earth question. He had spun away from it earlier in the match in round two. And so uh, a, a bit of a tough break, but you got to know everything. If you want to, yep. uh, you, you got to know every, every category if you want to win the interdictive tournament, especially. And uh, I think. If it was a two or three pointer, I'm sure that Mike would have would have been confident in handling it. But a five point question, I think he he would have been looking elsewhere, category wise. But that's the way the cookie crumbles, and chance now awaits uh, the the winner of Ch- of Smets and Chandru. Um, and uh, that will be will be something to see. And I, I will I will I guess for, what I will be interested to see now is for Chance and for Mike how how they perform in in the team's title match and in the singles tournament uh, you know to, just to see how much of an impact this has had on them especially in chance's case i think because he probably had to do you know tr- double triple the preparation of mike since he didn't come in with all of that intergeekdom knowledge already sort of in there right like he, you know he he had some he played in a couple of intergeekdom matches um but to get to the level where he is now, he had to do a lot more preparation than Mike had to do probably to, to get to the point where he is. Um, and so yeah. I just wonder, will that affect him in the singles tournament especially? Obviously, we both have him going very far, but um, you, know, you, you could easily see him being maybe an upset victim in the second round or something.
1: It's possible, and I honestly I think that more if they didn't have the team's title match. But they're going to just going to be so motivated to get up to, you know, get in shape for that, okay. right? So quickly. That's August twenty first. I just went and checked because I, I know earlier I wasn't sure. So you know, three weeks from now, basically, right? You're going to have that match, and I assume their singles matches will be taping. Ish around them, like roughly roughly around then, if not, maybe the week before. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think I think they're going to get in fighting shape. But it was a, it was a really interesting to watch. And it, and it feels like on both fronts for both competitors, this was like a bit of a letdown from their semifinals. And in the case of um, in the case of chance, the quarterfinals match, because, you know, going, you know, Mike got seven points in round one chance got eight, which I don't think he'd missed around one question before that in the tournament. I think he'd gone perfect, like all, mm. all three times, or something like that, or I think something so, close yeah. to that. Uh, it was really, really impressive stuff. And then, I mean, honestly, like chances round, f- his speed round, like he, like, I don't, like that was bad. Like that wasn't, that wasn't good. He got four points uh, overall. Like, I mean, look, I know it's only the second time we've seen this, this new version of the speed round, and it's probably going to be what we're doing for the rest of the season. So we'll see how other people adapt to it as well. But you know, if I'm Kevin Smets or even Shandrew, or I mean, I mean, clearly Mike did a lot better as well because it was a huge. Uh, point swing there in, in round in round four. four. But if I'm Chandler or Smets, like I'm not honestly, based on this finals performance, I'm not too concerned about chance, which maybe is a weird thing to say after the performance he put in against Parker and also dismissing the Barbarian relatively handily, I think, overall. Um, but I think, it, again, just because of the, the less intense nature of, of that match that we were talking about, I think that it's a bit of an oddball. And, and I think if you're Smets or Chandra, whoever it ends up being that he plays at spectacular. I think you almost don't even want to watch that match. It feels like just weird and and wouldn't be what you'd expect from chance. Uh, hopefully at least going into uh, going into that final matchup. And I kind of expect chances level to be up a level higher, but who knows if he's also in, <laughs> if he's also playing one or two other matches at spectacular. I mean, that will be a wild time. Uh, indeed. I mean, yeah. I think was it Rachel Cushing. Maybe the only person other person who did. I can't remember. No, Bibiani did
0: it last year and lost. Both oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, lost.
1: he got. I think he got KO'd in both of them, didn't he? TKO'd.
0: Uh, no, the Shazam. Oh yeah, I think I think Shazam did get TKO'd, and then yeah, the this yeah. Uh, other match, the number one contender match, didn't go. The ch- tournament championship did not go his way either, but. Um, yeah, all, all things to be on the lookout for and we'll be getting going with that singles tournament here very soon. So uh, a lot to be excited about. Scott, anything else you want to add before we wrap up for the night?
1: No, I'm very interested to see what Kevin Snets we see after eight months without playing. After so long, I, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be... Hey, I don't he know. played
0: in the championship exhibition and he won that. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he ended he ended uh, John Roca's career probably in that match. Um, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, I think yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think I kind of think that Smets is going to come out looking even more impressive than he ever has before, which is crazy to say, since pretty sure he had a perfect game against against Mike at Spectacular last year. But I think I think a, I mean this is maybe like a really dumb, obvious thing to say, but I think a lot of it's going to ride on if is Shandrew ready, right? Like has he put yeah. the first matchup between them behind him? Uh, does he have more mental resolve especially after all the kind of controversy again kind of in air quotes there earlier on in the year with everything that was going on around things he was saying back you know behind the curtain you know behind the scenes things like that and almost losing the title shot um, but if, if he as he put all that behind him I think he probably has but I'm just not quite sure what to expect. I mean Kevin Smets is an animal and he has Robert Parker training him so it's pretty crazy what level he's, he's going to be at there and you know Chandru has so- the support of his faction no doubt and um, he'll definitely have star wars covered with ace being being his training partner there but yeah it's going to be really interesting to see which Shandru shows up and i mean it could be like one of the greatest matches of all time i feel like this is, again such a dumb thing to say. i feel like it could be one of the greatest matches of all time i mean who knows maybe maybe it's a ko i don't know i don't think it's gonna be a ko though.
0: or it could be alex damon versus bruce green um <laughs> no i well, i don't think it'll be that bad but uh um, pour, pour one out for bruce yeah That was something. Um, All right, Scott. Well, I think that should just about do it for this edition of Champ's Lunch. Uh, Thanks to those who joined us uh, here in the live chat tonight. I know it was a little bit later than usual, uh, a little bit of a wonky schedule with uh, the live event and everything. But uh, we had a a solid solid turnout here. It it is past my bedtime. Thank you for noting that. Um, But please (laughs) check out uh, Champ's Lunch on our podcast feed. Something like it, Scott. You can get it on wherever you get your podcasts. Also, our general podcast, *Some Like It Scott*, um, our general weekly movie podcast. Um, check that out, and our countdown series. We just finished the Nolan series. We got Fincher coming up very soon, um, and so exciting things going over in the *Some Like It Scott* podcast feed. Um, also, of course, check out everything that is going on here on Feature Presentations Productions. Uh, Sunday is at 5, FPTL. This Sunday I'm going to be playing, so uh, that's exciting, I guess, but um, maybe not. Uh, but it, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a very solid matchup. I, I will tell you that. I won't spoil who else is in the match, but I think it's going to be a, a really fun and competitive match. Um, and then also, of course, uh, Tuesdays, I believe Aaron has his show this Tuesday, um, Now Showing, I think is what it's called now. He doesn't even know what the name of it is, but I I believe it is called Now Showing. Uh, And then Wednesdays, Fantasy Film Fights. Um, And so check out everything else that is going on here on FPP, all kinds of great shows. Um, And uh, check us out again uh, in a few weeks. We'll be back for Champ's Lunch uh, in in just a few weeks. Um, And until then, for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you next time.